The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. The state Senate is sending a significant police reform bill to the House of Delegates for a vote in the coming days. As Whitney Evans reports, it includes a ban on chokeholds and no-knock warrants, and it requires officers to intervene when a fellow officer is using excessive force. Senate Democrats are taking a vastly different approach to police accountability than those in the House. The House has introduced bills that would hit law enforcement with a felony for chokeholds and no-knock warrants, but the Senate is creating a statewide police code of conduct that, if violated, could cost officers their certification. Claire Gostanyaga, executive director of the ACLU of Virginia, says it's not as tough as her organization would like it to be. The fact that there isn't any kind of criminal sanction for engaging in behavior that is unlawful and hurts somebody is problematic. The Senate is not directly taking on the issue of qualified immunity, which is a controversial law that shields police officers from being sued. The House tried to strike the law from the books entirely, but a Senate committee killed that bill last week. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Henrico's new police chief, Eric English, started yesterday. The former head of the Harrisonburg Police Department is promising to be a community-oriented reformer. Roberta Roldan has more. Eric English has spent the last two years in Harrisonburg but he got his start in Richmond, where he rose from patrol officer to deputy chief. Now he's joining Henrico police amid calls for increased transparency and accountability in law enforcement. In an interview with partner station WMRA, English says he's ready to rise to that challenge. I think if you're trying to build trust and legitimacy in your agency, and you're trying to build partnerships and break down barriers with your community, we can no longer be so protective of information within our organizations. Most of what we do is not a secret anyway. In Harrisonburg, English led an effort to release more data on arrests and use of force. He's promising to make similar reforms in Henrico, focused on increasing transparency and diversifying the police force. Roberto Roldan, VPM News. In Chesterfield County, some special education students in grades K-12 through will be heading back to in-person learning on September 29th. The group of students got the okay to be the first to return by the district's health committee, which gave their recommendations to the school board yesterday. Nick Euler is the coordinator of student health services for the district. Based on our review and analysis of the current data, the health committee recommends beginning the phased-in approach by returning cohort one to in-person learning. The special ed students will attend classes four days a week. Officials say that families who don't want their children to return can continue with virtual learning. After September 29th, the district will phase in other students to in-person classes every two weeks based on grade levels, starting with pre-K through second grade. However, those students will only have face-to-face learning two days a week. As the voter registration deadline approaches, Virginians are preparing for an election like none before. Patrick Larson has more on all the ways voters can cast their ballots this year. The deadline to register to vote is October 13th. That's exactly a month from today. Anytime someone moves into a new home and changes their address, they need to update this voter information. Early in-person voting starts at local registrar's offices this Friday. The Department of Elections recommends mailing in absentee ballots early. Historically high requests and recent changes to the U.S. Postal Service could result in delays. Absentee ballots can also be returned to registrar's offices and at drop-off locations set up by local elections officials. 
Patrick Larson, VPM News. Voters can register, find their polling location, and request absentee ballots on the Department of Elections website or in person at their local registrar's office. The city of Richmond opened a new registrar's office on Monday. Officials cited increased space requirements and absentee voting as reasons for the new location. The office on the outskirts of Richmond has raised concerns about accessibility. Doug Allen, a public transportation advocate, says GRTC's Route 91, which serves Laburnum Avenue, is inadequate. So even the nearest bus stop to the new registrar's office is a half a mile away. But General Registrar Kirk Showalter says at the Laburnum Avenue location they've made some attempts to improve access. I was only seeking to have one bus stop moved a couple blocks closer, and I got some feedback that was not encouraging. The registrar will maintain limited presences at City Hall and the Southside Social Services Center to accept absentee ballots starting September 18th. Starting tonight, roughly 100 volunteers armed with clipboards will spread throughout the city of Richmond, but they won't be asking about the upcoming election. Instead, they're collecting data on how many walkers and cyclists traverse the city's streets. Shakoria Shelton is with the nonprofit Bike Walk RVA, which falls under the sports backers umbrella. So we want to see before a project goes in, how many people are using this location, and then after the project is completed, what were the changes that were done? Data collected from the almost 30 locations will be used to help city planners address how to lay out future walking and cycling routes. Shelton says volunteers will count the same spot for three days. Bike Walk RVA has been doing the twice-a-year counts since 2014. Richmond officials announced plans yesterday to create five new green spaces south of the James River. They'll be created on 36 acres of city-owned land. Brianne Mullen heads Richmond's Office of Sustainability. She says the city chose the locations in Southside using data on heat islands and park access. We use these tools to identify where those who are more at risk due to climate change, those who live in areas of the city that experience more extreme heat, and those without access to a vehicle who may not have the ability to get to a cooler green space to seek relief. The city's next steps will be to hold community meetings to see if they want the green spaces turned into parks, trails, or community centers. Until that's done, it's unclear how much it'll cost. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.